What would you do differently if you knew that nobody was going to judge you? Today we're talking about tribalism and the tribal influence in corporate and culture that impacts our digital transformation journeys. I'm Robin Gregory, Chief Alchemist at Mobilace, a digital transformation platform solution built from 25 years of experience of moving internal cultures organically that are shifting large entities into an agile mindset and cloud-based system that can evolve with change. As a woman of Irish and Italian descent, I identify with both of those cultures. I love art, architecture, family, cooking. I also love the mystery of folklore, a good craft beer, the tree of life, and I'll tell you a secret, I often crave potatoes. Never told anyone that before. Belonging is a blessing for anyone. It makes you feel loved and understood. But tribalism has taken on a new meaning for us today, and it's not a healthy stance. And so what would you do differently if you knew that nobody would judge you? Our egos need to feel safe to grow and thrive together, which is why I feel like we're at the end of tribalism or it's over. Let's take a moment to explore why moving toward authenticity and away from tribalism is the best case for large corporate entities and our culture today, and why allowing tribalism to flourish would be a mistake in our diverse America. The outright blaming of what seemed like the opposite side is akin to being angry at your deceased great-grandfather for something you don't believe in that he did. This posture isn't logical or sensical for our situation today. You can rebuke the act, but you cannot be responsible for his actions, only your own. Leaving tribalism behind seems difficult in a world full of unique individuals with a system of beliefs and attitudes about many things already set in place by their tribe before we even meet them. It's reasonable that we feel no one has a true understanding of our own cultural ways and beliefs. They don't understand us. And it's normal to stay, want to stay close to the people like yourself. However, it's actually better for you to understand diversity and embrace duality, Because when we engage this way, we become more internally coherent and united and are able to be supportive and cohesive as a nation. As opposed to arguing rhetoric that just breeds contempt. Too much of this, and we might all potentially lose what we're all fighting for, no matter our tribe, belonging, and the freedom to be. Psychologists or evidence-based professionals say we build our ego in early childhood based on our experiences, out of our ability to see others in action or reacting. This aligns with what I've studied and read since the 70s, yet I've also read the work of professionals who went further to say that we actually do this to protect our higher self our soul, our spirit, the inside of ourselves, our software, indicating an awareness of sorts that exists and is accessible for knowing what we need and who we are even before becoming of age. And I agree with this too. Matter of fact, I think most of us now lean more toward the latter being the why and the former being the initial how of our upbringing. 
As I evolved out of my own ego conditioning, my intention was to always be open to any discovery, even those outside my clan. I actually changed my perspective on important things as I evolved against my tribe. Some issues that I moved toward were in opposition to my dearest tribe members. Sorry, Mom. But they were right for me. So far, my tribe still loves me, but we don't always agree. This brings me to the point around the why. If we develop our persona to exist with others, yet protect our innate intuition, our essence, which helps us accomplish what we believe or know we're here to do, then how do we get to that if every day people who cannot see our insides are continually influencing and or judging us as if they know us? Don't misunderstand. I'm not speaking of government as a system here, but people, individuals, because it's people that make up all of our cultural systems. If we grow strong enough individually in and of ourselves to own our innate power responsibly and can totally tune out the noise, old or new, this power that's not dependent on our tribe could work as a way for us to navigate the world. But it's not that easy, is it? Ultimately, we all want to make sense to ourselves and not to be seen unfavorably by others. We are aware of how this can cause material, physical, and or emotional harm today, and especially at work. And if so, then we have to ask ourselves a few things. Do we conform to whatever tribe we belong to until self-enlightenment occurs? Or is it until we can't conform anymore? Now, conforming and enlightenment, as well as change through trauma and crises, are all ways to get in touch with your authentic self. It's no matter how it happens, as long as you grow in consciousness and clarity and inquire within yourself to ask, is this authentic growth? Or do we take another route? Do we reveal our current true selves and let the chips fall where they may, no matter who we associate with at work, play, or at home? If those evidence-based professionals are accurate, then it feels like our midstream evolution in America makes this all a bit of a conundrum. We need to belong, yet we need to be authentic. By the way, did this process accelerate for many of us during the COVID pandemic? And again, was that acceleration real? And if so, what does this mean for corporate tribalism? I remember reading The Organizational Man in the 80s. It came out in the late 50s, but was out of print for a long time. It was my dad who actually gave me his copy. I also read The Dancing Wooly Masters around the same time, and I often felt over the years beyond that, like I was in a tribal time warp stuck between Wooly and Capital. I'll leave you to read both of those should you choose to, but the organizational man was about collectivism versus individualism, and it's still relevant today. And the Dancing Wu Li Masters was about quantum mechanics finally coming out publicly. And Gary Zirkov, who is the author of that book, tells the story beautifully in a way that is innovative and open and free. And it's a fun thing to read. Where do the traditions of a value-based life go when we move into the capital realm? This was the question I was asking myself at the time. And how do we make money 
and retain soulful values in places that do not embrace authenticity. Life surely has a complex set of issues, and especially today. Our motherboard, or internal software, was programmed by external inputs, sensory inputs, from our ancestral information were those who loved us the best they could, but were not fully aware or able to see our inner evolving self, nor could they see where we would go as a culture in America. And while we sort through this familial tribal conditioning, we are normally entering the business world that has not fully let go of its 1880s tribal nature. Surely, (laughs) our ancestors often made our circuitry blow early in life. And unless we repaired those connections, we allowed others to see us in ways that we are not, in ways that we don't want to act or sometimes enjoy acting. Even if we tell no one this, it's true. The process of child rearing and individuation has gotten better, but great progress has been recent and is not evolved enough to move with the rapid cultural and technological shifts that we're undergoing. Then there's trauma or crises, a pandemic even, that arrives on our doorsteps, and we are suddenly looking at tribal things very differently. Trauma makes it all mushed together. Makes perfect sense, though, sometimes, and then change is imminent. We might say that if our ancestral history sealed our initial fate, the home we were born into and the tribe in it, the initial programming, the geographical location of our home, the social status of our people, then it's safe to say that destiny is surely in our control in chapter two. We can take the helm as we look inside ourselves to evolve into authentic individuals and will naturally move away from our tribal beliefs. Although in the past, this was not necessarily true. People were groomed to follow in the footsteps of their ancestors. We might have to re-examine where we work, who we're friends with, our political affiliations, but we can go where we wish to go and with whom we wish to spend our days because we still have freedom. Do we ever leave our familial tribal behavior? traditions, habits, character traits, completely behind? I don't think so. And that seems okay as long as we ourselves work at being authentic. I know there will be hurt as we see the truth of our lives and our tribes. There was for me. This is inevitable. However, I am grateful that I live where I have meaningful experiential choices. Science demands that we prove our theories from fact, evidence-backed, no subjection. But do we all agree yet that there are some things now that we know from our intuition? It was never appropriate in the past to even use the word intuition, especially if you were a man, lest you be judged by your tribe to be weak and have feminine qualities. So we may be a bit new at understanding this concept. Nonetheless, we're here now and need to wrap our arms around intuition, grace, forgiveness, allowing others not in our tribe just to be, and to learn how to work together without stomping out authenticity. 
to build authentic cultural intelligence in the workplace in order to succeed in the 21st millennial century. Digital has taken the evidence-based practitioners to the airwaves, and in a broader-reaching format than the Barnes & Noble shelves of old, they validated that intuition absolutely exists and has no agenda, no gender. Well-known and respected scientists have gone as far as saying my intuition tells me when they're juxtaposing empirical evidence with their internal software. Because we're all evolving. Holding on to our past tribal thinking only is narrow, narrow-minded. But leaning further in to seek truth and use the truth, even if it is our tribe or our view or our values that don't work for the current world to be peaceful or sustainable and prosperous, the truth is still the ticket. Intuition has become very important, though, for moving away from ego, so begin to engage your own. And those who say they have never made a misjudgment or have no need to change their opinion or their character on something important that's evolving before our very eyes, well, feel free to cast the first digital stone. But for me, today, the opposite of multi-view research that turns into facts or evidence-based understanding is tribal. When we really look at how tribalism works and how being judged and manipulated comes into play, I wonder what effort we might put into doing something different if we knew that no one, and especially no one from our tribe, would judge us, would we change? Despite my forced diverse reading on this subject matter, I'm sure I still have what psychology calls information deficit or naive realism. I too have further evolving to do. Still, I hope as you hear this, your tribal beliefs will allow you to consider my words because I am motivated in life to be as accurate as I can be. That's my intention. But I too often evaluate whether I'm hearing the noise or getting a valid signal. We can all do this today to determine if solutions are intuitive, fact-based, or even better, both as we evolve. As long as we do this with Gary Zirkov's method in mind, with wisdom and with love, to bring joy and understanding, not contempt, then we are making a better human experience. I've done some research on tribal thinking and I brought up a few points. I fact-checked them and I'd like to share them with you and for your consideration to see whether you agree with them. In order to describe how they work, I'd like to use myself as an example. I told you I had Italian culture in my blood And so to remain objective on the topic, I want to use my own experience. The next points that I've researched from the multiple sources, I'm going to relate to stories that happened at my own Italian Sunday dinner table in the 60s in New York City with my tribe. Point number one, tribe state facts that can be personally interpreted or spun in a different way, yet they're still tribally infectious. So at the Sunday dinner table, we would have a full course meal and always a pasta dish on the side, and you were expected to partake from the whole. I did not like the pasta plus. 
It was either one or the other for me. But the mantra that I would hear over and over, and it was tribally infectious, would be eat, eat. You get sick, you don't eat. And we know that's not necessarily true. It's personally spun for their benefit. And that's to have everybody talking and drinking wine and eating for long periods of time at the Italian dinner table on a Sunday in the 60s. But if you eat too much or you eat the wrong things, it's not healthy. You have to be emaciated to eat because you're sick. So here's number two. The attitude around being accepted by the tribe members creates the infectious need for allegiance. So everybody bought into this concept because they wanted to be accepted. And it's infectious because they needed allegiance. The allegiance, and this is number three, is often motivated by the goals of the tribe. It's not by the objective truth. So one night I came in and asked if I could go to an event that was being held at my friend's church. She was Protestant to see what it was like and to attend with she and her and her dad. And this was the response I heard. We don't do that in this house. So this allegiance was motivated by the goal of the tribe and that's to keep the tribe intact but it's not the objective truth. We could do that. We just, the rule is that we don't. I was young and I accepted that answer, but I did think, why don't we do that? So I said, why don't we do that? And I got this response. It's illegal to do that. Another goal to keep away from the objective truth, but the tribe intact. And so I went off on my merry way and I saw my friend again and um, her father was a judge. So I asked him if it was illegal for me to go to his church when I belonged to another. And he laughed and said, no, honey, but you should go home and speak to your parents about that. And so as a dutiful child, I did go home again. And at the Sunday dinner table, I asked why they thought it was illegal for me to go to the church. And we look at point number five. Despite the objective truth is uncovered, tribe members often retain the opinion to remain faithful to the tribe or they maintain the lie. And I did forget to say that they wholly identify with the tribe to be against another tribe. Okay? So both of those things are going on at the same time. When I brought up that Her father was a judge and he said it was illegal. She said, I don't care who they know or where they work. They're not us. And there it is against the other tribe. And she held on to the lie or the opinion to remain faithful to the tribe. The tribe becomes an us versus them place to live. And this creates competition, anger, adversity, and disharmony. These are all symptoms that we find inside tyrannical regimes. When I was growing up, tribalism seemed harmless. But a few years ago, I ran into a friend who was working in Florence, Italy. She and I met for coffee, and she alerted me to the old new ethnic proposal in Italy at that time, which was 2019. She said tribalism is the new racism. And she forwarded me an article with the same title. Tribal thinking makes us look at the other with distrust and fear, the opposite of what we need to evolve and grow freely as human beings right now. 
What lies between going after our soul mission in life and staying with the tribe is only our own attitude around exerting the effort it takes to look inward at our complex software and or systems, big systems, and make some shifts to transform. While the workings of the unconscious are a complicated psychological phenomenon that's still under scrutiny, there are ways to change undesirable ancestral or systemic behavior. And tribalism and cultural cognitive bias, these are part of our persona right now, all of us. These were developed at a young age and then cultivated as we were educated, and they're static or automatic until we shift. We are a young America, so we must be kind, objective, humble, and considerate, not to judge one another or ourselves for things that were done before us, because we're here to make things better. I have an idea. Let's start by simply asking when we engage in rhetoric or defend a position or make a subjective statement around a fact, we should ask ourselves, is this a story I tell myself? Is this really true for me? Does this appear to be true in life? Or is there fact evidence showing otherwise? And have I looked at both sides of this issue? Are my thoughts authentic or tribal? No judgment, just a question. Thoughts for us are neither good nor bad, although we do place judgment on them. They're just a state of our mind until we act upon them or impact others. We have only to retrospect upon our thinking until we act, and then we have to retrospect on the results of our own behavior. Now, if we hurt others or impact the healthy growth of an evolving society, well, that's different. It actually then becomes tribal. It's simply complicated. I hope you enjoyed our discussion today. For more episodes like this, be sure to subscribe to our podcast or request a topic when you join our Mobile Ace community on mobileace.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Imagine being a caterpillar one day and a butterfly the next. Until next time.